listening to Full Count with Sean Halpin and John Huck. Dude, they don't even know what they're doing. What are they even talking about? Just start the damn show. Okay, hey guys, you're listening to the Full Count Podcast with Sean Halpin and John Huck. Thanks a lot for uh, checking it out. If you're listening to us on iTunes, if you could do me a favor, uh, subscribe to the show and then uh, leave us a rating. Usually like, you know, something like three and a half stars or better would be ideal. And, uh, and then a comment and, and, uh, and check in with us. And then tell your friends. Go ahead, Sean. And you can leave something nice. And I'm calling from a live remote at some Ford dealership in Texas where we're promoting the show. <laughs> Sean went on location to make sure that people in Texas were fully aware of the Full Count podcast and that when they buy a Ford at uh, Halpin Ford and Dodge Truck dealership, they also get uh, a T-shirt. And some barbecue. And some barbecue, guys. So we're, we've expanded that much that we're sending Sean on trips, and the show is definitely able to pay for it. <laughs> Uh, we, I was going to give out t-shirts and, um, they didn't show up because, uh, we haven't made them yet. Well, okay. All right. So, that's a fair, that's a fair, that's a fair reason to not be giving them out right now. Um, right. how is Texas? How are you, man? Uh, it's good. Shows are great. Uh, five people love me, so I'm happy. There you go. You said your, <laughs> did you say your people or five people? No, I said black people love me. Oh, of course they do. Why wouldn't they? Uh, I was doing shows with Michael Blackson. The uh, uh, he's been on like Friday after next, and next Friday, and Friday Friday, and all mm. that stuff. Yeah, and Friday. Hey, it's Saturday. And uh, Thursday, mm-hmm. new movie coming out. Um, yeah, good times. Good nice. times. Yeah, maybe maybe you found your new crowd, buddy. <laughs> urban rooms for the rest of the time for you. I only do urban rooms now. That's that's a good move. I mean, look. First of all, you'll probably get paid more. Uh, Hang on, I'm just turning my phone to airplane mode. I forgot to do that. <laughs> I'm a professional. Um, real quick, I want to introduce our guest. Sorry, uh, our guest today is Hoyt Richards, a uh, uh, one-time model, now writer, actor, producer of film and television, we'll say. That's right. Yeah? yeah. Hoyt, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Nice to be here. Thank you, John. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, get into a couple things, but then in this, the uh, main chunk of the show, we definitely want to talk to you about uh, your movie Dumbbells that recently came out, which I hear great things about. Uh, tremendous. Couple of the is actors. that the one you're in, John? Oh, my yeah. God, yeah, Sean. I almost forgot. Oh that God. is the one that I am in as well. That is crazy. Thank you for pointing that out. you got to plug it, man. You're right. I forgot. I forgot. Um, it is an amazing cast. Yeah, it was, it was actually a lot of fun to work on, and uh, you have a very interesting story, so we want to talk to you. And you're a huge sports guy. You're from... Fortunately, Philadelphia. That's right. City of brotherly oh, love. Uh-huh. Yeah. You didn't even, you didn't tell me, John. Yeah. I know. That's why <laughs> he was asking God. about the Cowboys. Back. We just hear a dial <laughs> tone like, eh. Sean, Sean, are you there? Um, no, I know. It's rough. Look, we've had, but here's the thing. I, I genuinely shit on the Philly fan base almost on a regular basis on this show. However, the people we've had on the show from Philadelphia, Sean Green, um, he's been on, right? Yeah. Awful human being. A great, he's a great guy. Uh, Steve <laughs> Simone, great guy. Uh, and Hoyt, you're a great guy. There, there like, you go. The Phillies fans we have on here have, I know. have been the best. But as, as a whole, oh, man, it's like... It's, no, it's a tough crowd. It it's is. a tough crowd. A tough crowd is yeah. a nice way to put it. Yeah. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Um, 
But, Even when you hear, like, when you meet them and you hear them talk, and then you're like, "Oh, you sound like a regular person," and then they say they're from they're a Philly fan. I'm like, what? You tricked me. <laughs> you tricked me. I thought you were regular. You tricked I heard me. You, I heard you read. <laughs> oh. And you're not eating a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. I don't know how to. <laughs> uh, Adele. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, I, I don't know why I'm, look, I'm looking at the wrong page of my little notebook. I'm looking at a list of people to invite to my brother's bachelor party. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, cool. Let's invite uh, Mike Wainer. Mike Wainer, uh, actually big fan of the show, Sean. Friend of mine listens. Every time I say something sports-related online now, he says, save it for the Full Count podcast. Mm -hmm. Nice. He's a, good, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Genuine smartass. Uh, hilarious dude. I've known him since I was in kindergarten or first grade. And his actually. name is Wainer? Wainer. Oh, Wainer. Wainer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wainer. Yeah. Mike, Mike Wainer, uh, owner of Mike M B Mike's Bikes. If you need a bike fixed, then uh, we'll give him a bunch of plugs. Hey, he can fix car stereos, a, Volkswagen square bags. He was our sponsor for a little bit, wasn't he? He like was. He was just, without something? knowing it. He doesn't have a website, so yes, he's our sponsor. But you'd have to call him directly, and I don't have that number mm -hmm. handy. Why um, would a bike store have a, a website? Why? You know? Why would it? Why would why would they? They you know hippies don't need websites. Okay, well I mean not all bike store owners are hippies. Although Mike oh, okay. would qualify if he loved the Grateful Dead a little bit more. <laughs> uh, Sean, I want to talk to you. I noticed you posted some things online last night. Uh, you watched the Grammys or at least a chunk of it because I didn't watch any of it. Uh, yeah, I was. I just watched a little bit. I started drinking every time LL Cool J would lick his lips, and I was drunk by like two minutes in. Yeah, yeah three I, minutes I, in. I noticed that. He you, so you watched? I, I watched like for about forty minutes, and I, okay. he was lick, licking, licking his lips continually. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that kind of his thing? Is he like, mm, yeah, I, I need I, chapstick. I, Ooh, I don't. Mm, I he's got get, the chapstick. I don't know what it was. I don't know, but he he he's an interesting guy. Like. What would happen if he would have just not been a good actor and kept making music? Would his music have gotten like? I know he was Im impressive back in the day a little bit, but I have never been a huge LL Cool J fan. Like he's never done anything for me. Uh, seriously, I asked him to help me move, and he didn't. <laughs> he's never done anything for me. So where does um, he get the cool? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Was he your Uber driver? <laughs> he was my. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, what did you think of the everyone's performance that you saw, or who did you see perform? Um. Let's see. I, I saw like one or two people because it was during a show, so I was just kind of at the bar, kind of looking at. Oh, okay, okay. And, and then it's like Pink had this amazing performance where she was like doing, you know, ballet and stuff. And I'm just thinking, remember when all you had to do was sing? That's yeah, it. yeah. You didn't have to learn gymnastics. You didn't have to do, you know, like circus ballet shit. Just yeah, it's sing. Not, it's more of a, a, a performance art now than it is actually singing. Um, Hoyt, who did you see that you really, really liked or I, really, I, really I, hated? Well, or I mean, I liked uh, Chicago showing up. Yeah, but that, then who that, did they pair them with? With uh, Robin Thicke. Okay, that's enough of that. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, Chicago... Yeah, yeah, Chicago's hip, but uh, yeah. Robin Thicke, you know, was, he's got the, he's a one-hit wonder, right? I mean... I, I'm not sure. I just know that his dad was uh, uh, played a psychologist on Growing Pains. Oh, Alan Thicke, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. really? That's yeah, his dad. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. No. Um, and now he does like AARP commercials or whatever, or like turning your mortgage upside down or something that Henry Winkler won't do. Um, but, it, it seems like Alan Dick hasn't really done anything since then. He'll just pop up at like celebrity golf tournaments and go, hey! Yeah, but it, this, isn't that kind of like the dream? Like you don't really uh, yeah. have to do anything. <laughs> Everyone still remembers who you are and you just pop up places like, holy shit, Alan Thick! all right. <laughs> and they're just genuinely excited to see you. Like, I don't know. I think that would be a good gig. 
Oh, all right. But he doesn't wear pants. That's what he doesn't about. have to. He's Alan Thick, yeah. not Alan Pants Wearer. <laughs> He's like I'm Alan, and this is Thick. <laughs> okay, that's offensive. <laughs> uh, quickly, did you watch any of the Pro Bowl? Uh, no, did not watch it. Wasn't uh, into it. Didn't feel it. No, because it was terrible again this year, and it was even worse with the De- Deion Sanders and Jerry Rice picking the teams. So now you got the Kansas City linebacker sacking the Kansas City quarterback. It's like, this is a terrible idea. This is a terrible idea. The, you, the, the, the uniforms, the costumes, whatever you want to call them, uh, look like the Oregon Ducks playing a lingerie bowl team. It was terrible. <laughs> and it was just uh, offensive to any football fan. Uh, Hoyt, I know Nick Foles was there. That's exciting for the Eagles fans. M- MVP Nick Foles. MVP because he threw the winning oh, touchdown? He, he was the only quarterback who didn't throw an interception. Oh, so that by not being a <laughs> by total not... jerk-off, he, he gained the award. Not doing anything special, just not being an asshole. You get yeah. the award. Um, and that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I think the Pro Bowl should be should go away. I think yeah. it's pointless. I, I think they should do like a, like you know, like competition of much little, you know, like like... Um, I don't know, like like sport tricks. No, know? sport tricks, yeah. or or like um, like juggling. What, be, you know, like we should go back to battle. Oh, of battle the of network. Exactly. That's what I was That's trying to think of. Be, yes, yeah, it should That's be exactly. the battle of network. They should be lifting truck tires and like yeah. who can throw the football for the yeah. t- swinging tire. And I would watch that. And then every once in a while, like Jerry Rice comes out with a huge squirt gun and starts squirting people, and he's getting in their way. And like, I don't know. I think it would something be, that would not get them injured. Yeah, of course I know. They, they don't compete. get injured. It would be sort of a competition, but it would be you could do it in Hawaii. All the families could go, and everyone just has a great time and the parties would be better and yeah. people would care and it wouldn't injure other it's uh, the pro bowl needs to go away yeah uh preseason football needs to go away um i well I, how do you how do you limit your roster though without without preseason oh i mean what, what is that really we're, we're okay then, then, then fine no <laughs> starters play preseason none no starters are allowed to play preseason you it's know they only... should eliminate their roster just off headshots right yeah, just like if you're Hollywood. ugly you have to go <laughs> It's all how you did it in the combine, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> for, for, the, for the guys that you know are going to be good. Guys, that's the segment, Bell. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Hoyt's loving the sound effects. It's a very sophisticated system here. Well, we, are, we yeah. are very, we're quick moving, and we are sophisticated. Uh, you listen to the Full Count Podcast, Sean Hoffman and John Huck. We will be right back. Back to Full Count Podcast with Sean Halpin and John Huck. Uh, guys, we were just talking about the Pro Bowl and the Grammys and how pathetic they both were. I wanted to bring up some. Sean posted uh, on Facebook this morning uh, that this there was a snub. Because I didn't watch the Grammys. I wouldn't have known this without someone else pointing it out. Well, yeah, because I didn't even watch that part. But then I saw it from, you know, the guys from that metal show posted something on it. Which is a good point, you know. Well, Eddie Trunk, Eddie Trunk was definitely pissed. He was definitely pissed. Um, but in the, the in memoriam section, for those that don't know or didn't watch or don't care, uh, forgot and snubbed, in our opinion, Jeff Hanneman from Slayer, uh, original guitar player, been with the band since Kerry King and Tom Marias started it, uh, and Clive Burr, the original drummer for Iron Maiden. Uh, to, and actually, Sean, uh, Kid Craddock, the Dallas DJ, wasn't even mentioned. Yeah, I, yeah, I was um, kind of 
it was just kind of blew my mind that they wouldn't. You know, someone that's like huge in in radio, not, and yeah, but supporting not, everybody, and, and not just in Dallas, but like everyone who rolled through there knew him, and everyone who he ever interviewed was still like would speak highly of him wherever they went. You know what I mean? He was kind of like a nationally known DJ. Yeah, because I mean, he was around. Oh, he was okay. He was syndicated. I, was I just a, found, yeah, I, I didn't know he was syndicated, but yeah, he was. So everyone knew who he was, and everyone listened to his show. Yeah, because he was. Uh, I mean, he's been around since I was, you know, in almost like middle school, probably. Right. Right. And so other stations and yeah. So that was a little rude. And then the Jeff Hanneman thing makes no sense to me because Clive Burr, I'll I'd let slide because it was '82 was the last time he really played drums for Iron Maiden. Right. Um, but still, original drummer for Iron Maiden, a band that has been around, like, in a world where bands die out after one album, this band is still touring and still amazing. Um, so that was kind of enraging. But the Jeff Hanneman thing is, um, I don't know, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, and they, yeah, and they, and they are Grammy winners also. So to yes. Have, um, he won, he won two Grammys. He's won two Grammys. That's crazy. Who decides that? I, who, I, who makes the cut? I don't know. And in the, the article I read, they were like, it could have been an intern error where wow. he accidentally deleted. Like, what intern is deleting footage before the, what are you talking yeah, about? That's like, cr- especially if they've won <laughs> Grammys, that's, yeah. that's outrageous. Yeah, yeah, they've been part of the award show yeah. in the past yeah. two, two different times, and it's snub. Yeah, that's not good. You can't tell me no one in the editing room that watched it, you know, the when they chopped up, hasn't listened to Slayer before. I would I would like to think that everyone has at least <laughs> listened to one song because yeah. they had to, like, make their decision on why they don't like them. You know what I mean? And I feel yeah, like... It was- it was probably just an error, but it was, you know, it was just kind of it, a shitty one. In, in, a, in an award show about music where they take a shit on heavy metal and hard rock and rock and roll in general, in my opinion, um, they, they, that, should have been, that should have been looked at a little more carefully. That's, I think the award show is a sham, and I don't really care about the costumes you wear or the ropes you swing from or the ballet you do or the, uh, or the twerking or any of that. I, I'm, maybe I'm an old man, but I like my music with guitar playing and good drums. Gotta have a little twerking and, and a little. Oh, Sean likes a little drugs. Sprinkle a lot of twerking on it <laughs> and a lot of drugs and a lot of drugs for yeah. sure. All right, guys, off the negative topics. Uh, <laughs> Want to talk to uh, Hoyt Richards again, our guest? Thank you very much, uh, Hoyt. You have a movie that just came out. That's correct. Uh, called Dumbbells. Absolutely. Right now, it's uh, it was in theaters for a little bit. It's out now, and you can get it on video on demand. That's correct. And hard copies will be for sale in July. Exactly right. Uh, look at that. Yeah, I'm very, you're right on top of it. I am. I, I, yeah. I know. I know a little bit about it because I, I had a small role in the movie, and you uh, had a very important role in the movie, and it wasn't small. There are no small parts; only small actors, and okay. you're neither. Okay, that's very yeah. nice of you. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Wow, that was really nice. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to say that just because you're sitting here. No, well, um, you're also a very large guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but ask anybody. I am a complete puss. Uh, <laughs> I am definitely not a fighter, and especially if you're just gonna whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, how, what the process? Of, I mean, it, it's it was an independent. It's an independent movie. It's independent an independent movie, comedy. Yeah. Um, that if you don't know what dumbbells is, if you haven't heard me talk about it yet, it's kind of uh, reminiscent of. That uh, '80s kind of vibe, absolutely. Like kind of stripes, Animal House, you know, per- Porky, like Revenge yeah. of the Nerds yeah, too. Yeah, like exactly. that, throw Zapped. that in there. Exactly. Wait, like, what did you say, Sean? Zapped. Zapped. Oh my God, I haven't Zapped. seen. I saw Zapped yeah, like one back, time, yeah. like oh, a million years ago. That's Scott Bayo, right? Yeah, on oh the movies yeah. all the time. Yeah. All right. But, there, but there's a heart to it, which is also yeah, kind of but... nice. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, yeah, no, there, there's definitely a heart to it, and it's 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 an it's an interesting. It takes a couple of plot twists that <laughs> yes, yes. that are um, unexpected. Yeah, 
So, I mean, I'm sure there were different versions of the movie as you went along. Like, you probably had, you know, a, yeah. your original draft where you're like, all right, this is our movie. And yeah. people are like, dude, no, this no. is not your movie. No. You're going to need to change it. And then, you know, it, it kind of evolved. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Just like, well, I mean, we probably, uh, well, we started writing the script uh, in January of 2010. And so it's been, okay. First so, of all, by the way, that's still a super fast turnaround for the movie coming out in 2014. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's that's the reality. Yeah, I mean, uh, but uh, this, uh, yeah, yeah. In this business, four years is actually fast. Yeah, how, how crazy is that? It's insane. But, but yeah. and uh, to answer your question, we probably rewrote the script, and this is not exaggerating, close to a hundred times. Now that's oh. not a total rewrite every time, but right. something significant, you know, plot point changing or uh, you know changing a major scene or two or three or four, whatever. And then you would do the uh, editing process of doing what we call ninja cut, where the script we get too bloated, you try to cut out stuff and keep the best stuff. So, yeah, ultimately um, it was a, 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 like one of the main plot points, uh, you know, which which comes up, which is you know based on my backstory, yes. you know, which is uh, a cult subplot, right? Which people find very funny in the yeah, movie, very because funny. It's, 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 it kind of comes out of nowhere, and and that started as one line. In, the, in one of the early drafts that everyone kept asking, though, that, where did you come up with that? That's kind of odd. You know, what do you mean Jack Guy was in a cult for 20 years? And it's like, well, Hoyt was in a cult for about 20 years. And that's where we came up with that. Like, what? For 20 years? Yeah. Well, I'd lived with them for 15. I met my guru when I was 16. And then I escaped in the middle of the night. It took me three times to be successful, but I escaped when I was 37. What? Yeah. And at that <sighs> point, at that point, I was kind of quarantined to our... Uh, Kind of our compound we had in North Carolina, where we had four years of stored food, and we had guns, and we had bunkers, and I was uh, kind of sequestered to the doghouse. I was virtually up in the garage where we kept the dogs, and I had to be the first one up and the last one to bed, and do every type of slave labor they because could think you of. tried to escape. Well, because uh, well, it wasn't that only, but it was it started because I was basically I was the only one that was still kind of in the real world at that point. We when we moved from Manhattan down to North Carolina, things were getting very, very heated and we we're kind of preparing for the end of the world, which happens with a lot of these cults. Right. And uh, so I was still out modeling. I was, uh, you know, sometimes okay. 300 days a year. For the listener right now, we've stopped talking about dumbbells at the movie. We're now actually talking about Hoyt's real life. Uh, that sounds it's, awesome. It's going to sound like a crazy movie, Yeah. Uh, but it's legit. So you were a male model. Yeah. And is that how the cult found you? No, actually, I met the cult leader when I was 16 on the beaches of Nantucket, which is where my family spent their summers. Now, okay. Nantucket, Nantucket's a very safe kind of haven. Of right, sorts. I'm, I'm thinking not, not where you rich kinda white think, bread, yeah, yeah. kind of like... Absolutely. Yeah, I love... So not where you think cult leaders hang out. No. Uh, <laughs> or so, maybe exactly where cult may, leaders well, hang out. See, that was the bait and switch. Uh, so he started to introduced me to a lot of Eastern philosophy and certain things. But when I, I was playing football that time at college, you know, I went to Princeton and you know, we just glorified high school football, but sure. you know, I took it seriously. And, and uh, I was having problems with my shoulders and eventually I had to kind of give up that sport because my shoulders were giving me such problems. And I went through an identity crisis of sorts because I'd always lived with football players. I'd been, always been on the team and I had this huge kind of crossroads and that's kind of when the hooks went in of said oh well maybe you could do something else you ever thought about being a model and uh you know and so that was the cult leader actually making that suggestion so i went up to new york really to see a shoulder specialist to try to get a better opinion than what the uh, trainer had told me down at school 
And that was when I bumped into a casting director who was you know, working with commercials. I started doing commercials, and then I ended up getting introduced to Ford Models. And then three weeks later, I met Bruce Weber, who's this famous photographer who basically discovers models. Three and weeks later? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of crazy. You? Yeah, it was crazy. So you were kind of... Uh, I was kind of plucked from obscurity. Uh, much like Sean and I, you were swept <laughs> yeah. into the world of modeling. <laughs> yes. You're like the Pamela Anderson, but... Of a, like a dude. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Ed. Thanks for adding the dude part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, it's uh, a crazy life, the whole male modeling thing. I mean, it, the, the thing that's, uh, you're always, you know, I, I'm one of the few men that can walk around and say they know what it feels like to be sexually discriminated against. I mean, I did a job <laughs> where women got paid always more than I did. Yeah. Got a lot more attention. And, you know, I would get there for the same hours and they're paid, you know, you're getting paid 10 times. So modeling paid. is a lot like porno. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was that the, the male stars don't get much? Not as much as the women. No. 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 No, no, no. Because, I mean, what do the guys do? Show up with a boner. Yay. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like grunt a lot. Well, all, all the porn I watch, you barely even see the guys. Yeah. You know? Well, like, no. I, me and Sean watch extra heavy guy <laughs> porn. Sean's like, dude, we need more dudes in this porn. <laughs> I'm tired of watching <laughs> porn with only one guy in it. <laughs> Oh, a bunch of chicks again, huh? So overdone. Boring. Um, so, uh, all right, so you get swept up and, and you start modeling. Yeah, I start modeling, and, uh, I, and I came in with the generation of the supermodels, like Cindy Crawford and Claudia Schiffer and Naomi Campbell, Christy Turlington. That was kind yeah. of my class. So uh, um, by circumstance, and just because I happened to be kind of peaking at my career around that time, I kind of got labeled the first male supermodel, which was something that, you know, uh, it's kind of a, a, a absurd title. Like, you know, but I mean, but you're you, the first one to kind of get that title. Yeah, so it's like, there's no S on my chest, but it's kind of one of these things that I kind of, kind of laugh did you at. And, did you and Janice Dickinson ever get in a fight? No, we never did. I've seen Janice Dickinson at my gym. <laughs> interesting, interesting sight. <laughs> yeah, me and Sean met her on uh, Battle Cam. Oh, Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. Um, nice lady. Yeah, she um, works out hard. Yeah, she works out hard. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so you start to model, and then the just guru, he kind of is with yeah. you this whole. So through yeah. All so this by the time he... by the time I graduated uh, college, I moved right in with the group. So you okay? So you did. You stayed in college while knowing them, and then you graduated, and then moved in. Moved in exactly. And that's in what, North Carolina? No, that was it. Was all in Manhattan at first? Okay. All, that's what was crazy. Like people uh, have a hard time imagining this all went down in. New York City. But my first experiences, like when I was 18, going up to New York to see the guru, uh, was largely going to Studio 54 every night and, you know, getting swept right in there and seeing that scene that just, just I mean, mind bending. I mean, you know, people screwing on the dance floor, piles of cocaine. I met Andy Warhol and uh, you know, oh, wow. Truman, Truman Capote. And, and like, you know, you, you walk downstairs, you see some celeb giving a blowjob to some other celeb. Like, it's just like, you can't oh, believe what you're seeing. Oh, my goodness. And I was 18. So, you know, I, I remember walking in the very first time and this girl was wearing nothing but scotch tape. And I said, I don't want to ever leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we would, kind of, like we, we would kind of pull people out of there, guys and girls, and go back to the guru's apartment at like four or five in the morning and have these spiritual talks and high tea and kind of talk about, you know, the, the end of the world. I thought you were going to say orgy and Coke no, party and you said no, spiritual that, no, talks they're, and they're, high they're, tea. They're, eventually those things did evolve. Yeah. Yeah. There were, there were, there was a, it started out very Spartan, kind of very monastic. And then they went uh, into a period where kind of, uh, all no, you know, no holds barred. And, and it was just kind of the, it got kind of crazy. Now the, the orgy thing is, uh, I only got experience one and I spent most of the time in the bathroom praying for a boner because I was so intimidated. 
<laughs> it was, I was, oh, it's it was, nice to know guys as handsome as Hoyt might do the exact same thing I would do at an orgy. You're just yelling at it. Come on. And I'm like, come, come on, on, man. I promise I'll never screw a random chick again. Just give me the boner. I feel one orgy. <laughs> um, what? So what was the like the philosophy of the cult? What was your it was, mission it, statement? It was, it was Eastern based. It was kind of a, a combining science and religion. Okay. Um, so coming from a, a Christian background, which I was never that heavy duty into, because my experience with Christianity was more of like, oh, well, you show up at church on Sunday and it, you wipe your slate clean for all week. And I was like, well, that's not very Sounds realistic. like a lot of horseshit Yeah, today, so yeah. at least with the, the Eastern system, there was accountability, you know, karma, and whatever you did, you're going to have to pay on some level, you know, accountability for that, take yeah. responsibility. So that appealed to me. And ultimately... You know that they they give you some sort of near future apocalyptic event because that raises the stakes. So like, you know, everyone has their heads up their ass. It doesn't know the end of the world is coming, but we know because you're special and you deserve to know. And you actually um, have earned it from all your lifetimes before. You now get the chance to actually do something great with your life because you've been a good person previous lives, which of course you have no memory of. But well, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. And, but, and, but they know somehow. they they know somehow, and and you've gotten to this incredible place, and now. You know, are you going to be part of the problem or are you going to be part of the solution? And uh, so in a sense, I will never beat myself up for what I signed up for because it was this movement to try to help, you know, help the world and, right. and help your fellow man become more spiritual, <laughs> become someone that you would uh, you, you think your parents would be proud of. Uh, but ultimately, it's not that. And it took me about 20 years to figure that out. When when you so it became. They, oh, it's, so it's not a quick process. You're no. you, you're really thinking like, hey, we're going to change the world. We're going to make people better people. We're going to make society a more uh, uh, enjoyable exactly. place. Exactly. At what at what point did it become not that for you? I mean, when you're moving to North Carolina and there's guns and you're bunkering yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, well, like, and that was and that was part of it because uh, moving up to that point, um, I I because I was still working and traveling and paying for everything basically. I was the, I was the golden goose so to speak. I was largely the the financier. Oh the, my god. So oh, he got man. you into modeling yeah. and then started bleeding you dry. Yeah, so I gave millions. Uh. You know, everything I I would take enough money for me to pay my bills and I would give everything else to the cult. Oh my God, Hoyt! Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, you so. could have paid for dumbbells three times. I could huh? have. I, I could have. Yeah. So it, it's it's what I call the school of hard knocks, which is an oh. expensive school to go to. But it's a kick like, in the dick. It sounds like comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I, <it's, laughs> I get enough just to pay my bills. <laughs> and I gave I gave the rest I have to comedy. Gas for my car. New shoes. <laughs> Yeah, oh my god it's, it's kind of crazy that way that's really uh i mean i don't even know what to say I, you so again i i can see you're young it's the 80s and it's um i can see that like i want to help people because you can see like around you in the 80s especially in the parties you must have gone to you can oh, see the the ignorance and all the, the materialistic yeah, attitude it was and just, just give me give me give me give me it was give me. decadent yeah exactly and and so while this is all going on we're talking about the end of the world and we're going to basically be the leaders of the new age like basically the 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 tact that, that he created of this end of the world scenario was the a pole shift which is the idea that where the north and south pole are moved to like somewhere else on the planet within six hours and wipe out 95 percent of the land mass and new land mass comes up good god and, there, and there's only a few safe places and north carolina was, was going to be one of them <laughs> I mean that 
Not to shit on North Carolina, but that is a, <laughs> that's a funny place to put. Like, if you would have said Texas, I would have said, okay, Texas is fucking huge. Right. You know what I mean? Like, well, the mountains of North Carolina, you know. Okay. And then there was also a sci-fi element that if we really got our shit together, the, the, uh, you know, the space people would come down and lift us out, and we would get trained and then come drop back down. Yeah. Now, now we're talking. You well, know? Now we're doing it. So, yeah. is this like the last Starfighter? Yeah, it could have. It yeah. should have been. I, we were, that's what I was hoping for. You know, I kept thinking, but the, the, then the leader died conveniently, like around 1990, and kind of left the, the whole group in shambles. So at that point, we had no connection to the space people. So we prepared for fighting for scraps amongst the survivors. Okay, so, so that's it, your direction that, quickly shifted yeah. when it was like, our leader's dead, the space people aren't coming, guys, we're on our own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's where the bunkers and the guns and all the food and all that we were preparing for the... Now... You know, uh, for the, you know it's like one of those TV shows. You know, it's like... Uh, the, yeah, doomsday preppers. Yeah, yeah. But, okay. But uh, we, didn't, they, we didn't have to get castrated like those guys down in, right, in San okay. Diego. Well, that's, yeah, the Heaven's Gate people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, when did you... Like, when did it first you start to think, like, hey, man, I got to get out of here? Well, that's, I tell you, it's interesting because it's, I wish I could tell you that like, I had this moment of clarity where I said, oh, my God, maybe it is a cult and I should get the fuck out of here. So they never use the word cult. No, of course not. No, Cults actually, actually, actually cult, no, huh? because when you're in a cult, you think everything else might be a cult, but you're not a cult, obviously. And, and the mere fact that I was in the group was enough evidence for me that it can't be a cult because I would never join a cult because yeah. someone like me doesn't join yeah. a cult. Like a cult. So the mere fact that model, it, yeah. So the mere fact that I'm in this group means it can't be a cult. Uh, so that was my greatest um, anchor keeping me there was just this mentality of thinking, well, it can't be that. My brother and actually the manager from the football team at Princeton actually tried to do an intervention and failed miserably, uh, unfortunately. But then my younger brothers were like, "Why won't you talk to Rory, uh, my brother who had done this?" And I'm like, Garth. He thinks I'm in a cult. Like, fuck that guy. Like, why would I why would I talk to him? That's my mentality. And oh. and also we would look at other groups like the Moonies or or you know, the Mormons or whatever you might and say, Well, those are cults, but you know, we're not a cult. Like if they could come to our group, they'd be saved. We're just preparing for yeah. the end of the yeah. world and yeah, hoping exactly. the space people come down. Exactly. We're not a cult. Yeah, we're not a cult at all. And and so for me, the the, the point of turning was spending the time out in the world and going, you know, this end of the world thing coming around the millennium, I don't like it's not I don't see it happening like these the governments aren't collapsing and I don't see like yeah. the earthquakes and everything that's supposed to be happening aren't happening like so we're not I'm, getting any of these signs yeah exactly so so I'm starting to think like like uh, having you know the doubting Thomas point of view so I'm being painted as a blasphemer of sorts so oh, then yeah. it's kind of like You're a traitor to now. save me from myself that's when I got kind of quarantined to the lake house the compound and that's where they shaved my head so I couldn't model anymore so, uh, you know, I, and I had to, you know, do it. I was called the bald housefrau and I had to do every type of slave labor they could think of during the day. And then I would, uh, you know, virtually, and this is not exaggerating, every night meet a verbal firing squad of anywhere from 10 to 15 people just assaulting me on how I'd been resistant and resentful of my chores slash punishments that day. And I was, I mean, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm thinking, well, hell, I could have been in Paris, like yeah, kissing Cindy Crawford, making 15 G's model, a day, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm scrubbing toilets. I guess I'm not spiritual. I guess I really am as full of shit as they've been telling me for, for 20 years, and I guess I am hopeless, and I guess I'm not spiritual. So, uh, so I would meet this firing squad every night, and and you, you know, you go catatonic. It's like, oh. so I eventually got to the point after about seven months of that, and I and I'd had 
a couple escape attempts, which I, got, I wasn't very effective at escaping. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but, but, but when I finally hit this wall, I said, you know, I'm spending all of their time. They're clearly this, the true spiritual seekers. I'm obviously full of shit. So the least I can do is relieve them of my presence so they can use their time more constructively. So you wanted to escape I, not for yourself, but for the better of the exactly, group. Exactly. That's how I left. I basically said, I thought this is the greatest act of cowardice, but it, the, the, the silver lining is at least they won't have to deal with a loser like me. Oh my God. And that's how I left. I just can't believe it, you know, when you're when you're in a cult, not thinking you're in the cult. Yeah, I, well, I tell you that the crazy part about it is we would actually, I actually got a book at one point about cults and said, oh, I can see why people think we're, I, we know we're not a cult, but I can see why people think we are. So we would have these discussions of like, hey guys, I think we need to minimize the cult-like behavior because it makes our life difficult. So let's try to minimize doing these things because otherwise people will think we're a cult. We're not, we know we're not a cult, but people are gonna think this. So we should probably minimize doing like, some of these things this book talks about. So that's how heavy your denial is. Oh my God. Yeah, it's pretty Jesus. It's pretty crazy. Okay, what? That's the segment, pal. We're gonna. This is definitely the heaviest episode of the full count. I'm just listening, going, "What the? I can't. I can't put my." And, we, and then we got to talk about maybe like an escape attempt because you said you weren't very good. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely want to hear. A, we'll talk about a failed escape attempt <laughs> and, and actually how you got out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll be right back, guys. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, sorry about that. Quick break. Uh, all right, talking to Hoyt Richards, uh, former model, former cult guy, uh, now writer, director, uh, producer, actor, editor. Yeah. Uh, Dumbbells. Yeah. I mean, uh, you did it all in that movie, really. <clears throat> oh, thank By you. the way, I thought you were, your, your character in the movie is my favorite. It's, oh, uh, thank you. It's very funny, and you do a very good job. And uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just a little bit like usually we're just as a really upbeat, hilarious. Like, yeah, you fucks, yeah, we're having a good time. And, and now I'm just like, okay, so you were in this cult. But now my whole thing is, think, I'm thinking, what if I'm in a cult and I don't think I'm in a cult? Yeah, <laughs> I, but no, we don't hang out with anybody. What cult are we in? Yeah. That's why we've been laying down on the cult mentality. Maybe we are. <laughs> You yeah. go back to the comedy store, you're like, you know what? This is a cult. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Tommy's the leader. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Maybe the worst cult ever. Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk about like, a, like maybe a short uh, escape attempt? Or? Yeah. Like you, oh, yeah. You, you say you tried to escape uh, three yeah. times before you were successful or yeah. just twice no, before? Twice. Two twice. failed attempts. Uh, okay. uh, the, the first attempt was um, I... I still had driving privileges at that point. So I actually, in the middle of the night, drove to the airport and then got a flight and then convinced that they would never think I would be stupid enough to go back to my New York apartment, went to my New York apartment because I wanted to get some stuff so I could leave. And they basically took the approach of, well, we'll we don't know where he went, but let's at least try to go to the New York apartment. And they oh. caught me there. Mm -hmm. So at that yeah. point... You're thinking, you know, my mentality was like, oh, I guess I'm not supposed to escape. Like, you know, they, they found me. And and, and so so literally, um, you know, they actually slept. One guy slept in the doorway to make sure I couldn't leave that night. And I remember I, I, my apartment in New York is on the fourth floor. And I remember looking out the window and saying, I'd probably break a leg or two. But if I jump, I'd survive. And I considered it. Wow. 
Wow. To get away from them. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, at that now, point... Now, did they restrain you and forcefully bring you back? Well, it wasn't so much a... I mean, there was definitely a physical intimidation, but it's not really how the group worked. I mean, it's so psychological more than anything. And I kept thinking, you know, I am not supposed to escape. Like, it's just, you know, you're caught in this web of, of just uh, feeling like, you know, you've got so many conflicting feelings going on. And I just thought, well, I, I guess somehow I've got to just persevere and I'll get through to the other end. And uh, so when I finally did escape... Obviously, I didn't go back to the apartment because that had not worked. Yeah, that, that didn't work not, the first time. And, and, I, and I was very limited as far as where I could go because I, did, I didn't want, at that point, I, I still didn't know it was a cult. I just knew I needed to get away. And did you have any money to your I, name? I had, I had like $3,000 to my name on a credit card, but I'd given everything else away and I got a shaved head so I can't like get a modeling job tomorrow. So, you know, they didn't have extreme modeling back then. Now, like more, bald, bald more, heads are kind of cool. But, right, but more importantly, you needed to get away from these people. Yeah, I needed to get away. So, and I, and I hadn't, you know, I hadn't seen my parents in 12 years. So I wasn't ready to just what go, the... go see them. And didn't you think that was weird? Well, of course, but I mean, you have to understand when you're in these groups, they basically, uh, they present the mentality. It's, it's like the matrix. It's like your friends and family are caught in the matrix. We've pulled you out. And, un, uh, and unbeknownst to themselves, they're trying to stop you, even though they don't know what they're doing. Wow. Like under the guise that they're really trying to help you, they're actually pulling you off the path so you have to separate yourself. And if you have any issue with your family, which we, who doesn't? Well, of course. It gives, yeah. you, it gives you ammo to say, listen, I'm on a different path. You don't understand. You'll never understand because you don't understand what it's going on. Uh, and, you know, the end of the world's coming. Da, 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 you know? So you just, you cut them off. And, uh, and that allows you to, to continue to build the cult personality, which is how they're controlling you. So the biggest problem was I didn't know what had happened at that point. I just knew, knew I needed to get away. And the last thing I wanted was someone asking me, well, what, well, what, are, you, yeah, what are you doing? Yes. Why are you here? Now, and so parents the, so are the, the parents was not a, Especially yeah. if you haven't seen them and, in 12 fucking years. Right, exactly. And any of my friends were, you know, that I knew pretty well. I was thinking, uh, you know, they would. I would get in a scenario where they would ask me, and the only place I could think of where I would not be asked, where I'd always had an open door policy, was Fabio's. So I actually moved in with Fabio for a year, and bless his heart, he never once. I show up with a bald head. He never once says, "Hey, why are you here?" He's like, "Oh, come hang out, stay as long as you want, you know." And we would go, we would go work out, and we would go hang out, and just. Open door policy for a year while I started, to, you know, I went through my depression and what they call post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. And it was, it takes about 12 to 18 months before you can even consider the idea that it's not just you being the loser, that maybe the environment you were in might have had something to do with your condition. And, wow. about, and it was around that time that I, you know, I went on the internet to say like, okay, well, everyone's been saying it's a cult. Maybe just to cover my tracks, I'll just... Get a book on cult and make sure that it's not, because I know it's not. It can't be a cult. I would never join a cult. And the the best selling book was uh, "Combating Cult Mind Control" by Steve Hassan, who's now become a friend of mine. But uh, he was in the Moonies, and my reaction was like, "Well, pff, Moonies was a cult, but I wasn't in a cult, you know." Uh, but I said, "Okay, it's top selling book. I'll read it just to kind of you know see what's going." On. And the first fifty pages was how he had gotten indoctrinated, and man, you could have just changed the names. And, and it was, was you, just like, wow. oh, textbook cult victim cool. yeah so once you swallow that pill then you realize there's counseling and there's a recovery process and that was kind of when i started to put my life back together and then of course i also started to get really pissed because i all those years of, of taking the shit burgers from the cult i was like fuck these guys i'm, I'm yeah you know, they're sitting there the whole time you were better than every single they're, person they're there. living in a house i bought they're they got businesses that uh. i started and, you know they're like they're having this life i'm like all right this is not kosher are they and, still a cult? No, I actually ended up suing them and took down what was left. Yeah, and, um, good. And so the group is over with. Yeah, baby. Fuck those people. 
Jesus yeah, Christ. So, now, yeah. now, now, how did you escape the Fabio compound? <laughs> I tell you. How did you- if I have told you some of the stories from those days, we'd be, <laughs> we'd be in show. a whole nother area. Well, uh, you're coming back next week. <laughs> the, the Part Fabio two, years. the Fabio years. Dude. I tell you, that, to give you an idea, yeah, there, that there was the night that I um, basically got his convertible Porsche destroyed by some girl I'd met, and... Uh, it was just not a good day. Oh, and Fabio was still your friend to and, this day. And, yeah, absolutely. He yeah. was. In, he's in the movie. He's Dumbbells. in the movie. And when I called him about doing, I said, Fabio, you know, because I, I, I wanted to write him a role which would actually let his personality come through that I'd never seen in any movie. He's more of like yeah. a, a sight gag or a one-liner. Yes. So I kind of wanted to, you to get a sense of who he really is because he's a hilarious guy and, and a sweetheart. So I called him and I said, yeah, I've got this role for you. He's like, Oh, I do it. I'm like, Well, do you want to read the script? He's like, No, I do it. I do it. <laughs> and, and that's Fabio. That's how he is. I mean, well, I he's mean, that he kind was, of guy. He was fantastic to have on set. I mean, at first it was just like, I, I was. It was very surreal. I'm like, it, are you kidding me? This guy that like, my mom used to be like, oh, look at that, that's Fabio. Like, <laughs> shut up, mom. That's disgusting. <laughs> he was on the cover of like novels at the grocery yeah, store. Yeah, you know all what the I mean? romance like, novels. No, I tell you, when I met Fabio in New York, he's one of the first models I met, and yeah, I, I thought he had some pretty good mojo back then. Well, you know. Hanging out with Fabio, it's like you're invisible. Like I would go into yeah. the bar, and it's like walking in with Thor, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, who's that guy?" And you're just, yeah. you're getting out no, of the way, shortstop. No love, scrawny prick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my so, God. They look at you. Can you give me a drink? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I tell get you, me in Fabio shots. <laughs> when, I, when I moved out here and was living with Fabio, he would always eat. I don't know if you remember that restaurant, The Source, that was on Sunset. It's uh, it's now where the cantina is. Okay. That, you know on. So it's a little restaurant, health food restaurant, and Fabio's a, a creature habit, loved to go to that every morning. And we would go there virtually around the same time because he's very much, you know, kind of a he's on a compulsive, yeah. And the tour bus would come by every day. And of course, because they know Fabio's ah, there. Fabio so my, is, my uh... morning was basically taking pictures of Fabio with all his fans. That's every hilarious. day. Yeah, every day for about a year. Well, well, I mean, he's a super nice guy. Obviously, he did that movie for you. I mean, yeah, I can't no, imagine. He's a good. Egg. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like you paid him a million dollars or anything. You know, it was uh, no, he, I mean, very low budget. But I think just to go back to dumbbells because yeah. we were there for a second and then the cult took over. <laughs> it does that. But I mean, you guys did. You made a pretty funny movie for very little money. You oh, know what I mean? You. And I know uh, the the guys that were. Producing it and the investors and stuff—they were all great guys too, you know, yeah. Travis and all those guys. It yeah, was, exactly. Uh, it was just a, a good group of people. Um, wow. I, so, what, Sean? Any other questions about the cult, man? I'm, <laughs> my mind is like hurting. No, I'm just kind of just—it just melted. I'm like, <laughs> well, I just can you give I, maybe I'm. I think I'm going to write some questions down, and then when Hoyt comes back, then we'll you know get more into it. Well, maybe, maybe Hoyt, if you could tell Sean and I how to, if we wanted to turn the Full Count Podcast into a cult. Into a cult. <laughs> yeah, what, what would be the first move? It's all about money. And, oh, great. We're fucked. Never mind. Money. Forget it. Oh, no, no. Your cult's over. You're getting money from them. Not, not, oh, yeah. yeah. So, so you're getting money from them and then obviously controlling their lives. <laughs> you make it, but see, that's so weird. You make it sound like it's this simple thing. You just yeah. got to get money from people yeah. and control their lives. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, okay. Yeah, it's very simple. Meanwhile, actually, I can't control actually, my I, schedule and I didn't it, plan it, my laundry it, out this morning. It's very similar. The, the, the cult leader pathology is very similar to the serial killer in the sense that they were made to feel very uh, powerless at a young age, either through abuse or abandonment. Right. So at a, and when they're an infant, when they're, you know, they go through this tragedy, 
the psyche builds up this pattern of looking for some sort of situation where they feel powerful because they felt so powerless. And ultimately, when they find uh, this type of scenario where putting someone else in a position where that person feels powerless actually feels good to them, where any of us would realize you're completely manipulating, controlling someone. But for them, it actually, they're wired in such a way at that point that it actually feels good. So it's the same way the serial killer, you know, they, they want to see the person tortured and suffering, but when they actually die, it's like blowing their load and then it's over and they have to go find someone else and do it again. But also like the serial killer, the cult leader gets better at refining the technique by doing it. So it's a constant work in progress and gets better and more subtle and more, you know, and they would add, you know, very charismatic and just kind of can spin the web around you. insane man yeah but you could do that with the podcast you could totally do that (laughs) you could totally do with the podcast we have we already have the airwaves sean we just need to get into people's heads does a co-leader pass out t-shirts and stickers well we did have we did have a catchy name eternal values oh okay ev you know i mean it's kind of catchy sounds like a venereal disease kind (laughs) of but uh guys i got ev Ooh, uh eternal values yeah yeah burrows under the skin it changed. But I got it, it from changed. a model. <laughs> but, I got, but I got it from a model. High five. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mean that, that's that's a that's a story, man. Are yeah. you? Are, and yeah, I saw your dad at the premiere, so you're my back da- together yeah, dad, talking to your no, parents. It, my family's been amazing. My mother actually um, passed away ten years ago, but um, but but she was she survived the cancer that she was fighting in time for me to reconnect with her. So oh, actually That's nice. she had been given a year to live and she fought it for seven. So if she had not, I would have never seen her. Um, oh, and, I wow. actually, and I actually spent the last year of my life, of her life as her primary caretaker because all my brothers and sisters have kids and families and doing all that. So I was the only kind of lone wolf out there. Yeah. And I, uh, and I, for myself, I really wanted after every, all the madness I'd gone through, yeah. I wanted, cause my dad was very uncomfortable with it. Like he didn't know how to deal with it. He's not, he's not, he's, you know, he's more of a soldier. He doesn't have he's not nurturing. It's yeah. not his, his strong suit. Right. And, uh, and so I came in there and, and I spent the last year of my mother's life with her and that was pretty remarkable. Well, that's, and that was an incredible gift that she gave to me. And this is not, not to, that's, that is good. That's yeah. very nice, actually. And, that, yeah. not, and not to, um, you know, say anything bad about your dad, but do you think him not being the nurturing type uh, had anything to do with your initial... No, actually, uh, the, 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 the most, the most re- uh, remarkable thing I've learned about cults and how cults work is that there's this pre- preconception that there's a certain type of person it would happen to, and mm-hmm. that is just completely false. Just Basically, there's only two things that need to happen. One, you have to be at a point where you're kind of searching for something. You don't have really a game plan in your life, so you're kind of looking for some sort of answer for what your purpose is. And if you come across someone who's very enthusiastic about their game plan and has something kind of all laid out, then that's a very appealing trait. And if they happen to be someone who knows mind control and <laughs> you know influence <laughs> techniques, you're kind of screwed because it works on everybody. If you show receptivity to what they're selling yeah. in a game, it works on everybody. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking about getting into acting. (laughs) (laughs) Sean's giving acting classes. He's giving acting classes in the valley. (laughs) All it takes is money and you do whatever I say. Eternal bliss acting. That's right. There you go. You got it, Sean. If you're just tuning in, <laughs> there's somebody out there like, oh man, this is. You listen to this acting podcast? It is fantastic, dude. It is fantastic. Um, okay, man, we are we are about out of time. 
Um, Sean, do you have any last minute questions? Otherwise, I want to get everyone's pick for the Super Bowl. And uh, um, and definitely, no, we want to have Hoyt back on to talk about the Fabio years. Yes, and, man, uh, I just I just think y'all need to hug Hoyt in the studio. Yeah, <laughs> no, he'll get he'll get he'll get hugs, dude. Uh, I'm gonna hug. Oh, and a last minute thing, I want to give a we have a a, a pretty um, uh, loyal listener. I think I think his name is I'm I'm not even sure last name Hildreth, but it's B A R Q U E. How did you how do you spell that? Bark. 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 Bar, yeah, uh, Hildreth. You'll have to give me a phonetical oh, yeah. spelling, buddy. But uh, he, I, I saw a thing. He said he was having twins, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I'll have to. I wrote it down. I'm like, oh, I'll have to. I'll give him a shout out on the show, and then I realized uh, through the comment feed that he has two kidney stones. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's not having babies. He's shooting rocks out oh, his dick. Um, god. But uh, well, I hope uh, hope they come out easy, easy buddy, and uh, you have a speedy recovery. Yeah, uh, you can send us pictures. No, I don't want to. I don't want to see that, man. I mean, actually, if you can send pictures. Pictures of the size of the kidney stones. Yeah, that would be something. There you go. Well, now now you'll get like Charlie Manson writing in and things. You've got you'll have a whole new crowd. Oh yeah, yeah, this yeah. is gonna the cult the cult <laughs> tags are gonna really bring out the, the nuts. Um, uh, uh, Sean or Hoyt, let's go. You're our guest. Who do you? Uh, first of all, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, yeah, and, uh, thank my, you. My yeah. pleasure, guys. Absolutely. And uh, see awesome. dumbbells uh, on video on demand, guys. You can get it if you yeah. have Directv. It's or simple. on Amazon or iTunes. Amazon or yeah. iTunes. Okay, yeah. it's everywhere, guys. Yeah. It's everywhere. And if you buy a hard copy in July, I'll autograph it for you. Uh, everyone's like, no, we don't want that. Stop writing on our just things. Just put a little scratch and sniff pad. <laughs> no, 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 just let me sign it. No, no, let me sign it. Why are you running away? Um, uh, but, yeah, who uh, who do you I, I think is going to win the Super Bowl here? Uh, well, I, actually, I'm not sure who's going to win, but I, I but I, I think it's – I'd go with Peyton Manning just because I got I, – I, he's a class act. Not even the Broncos. He's going to win the whole thing by himself. Yeah, yeah. Peyton so Manning wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, because I, I, I've met – Pete Carroll, nice guy. I had dinner with him a couple Ooh. times, and yeah. uh, and but uh, so I, I, I either team would win for me. You know, I was think Pete Carroll the cult leader? No, <laughs> you, <laughs> have he, you have to tell us if he is. Yeah, I would. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, I I got I got to support Peyton man. What a, he basically had the best year quarterbacks ever had. It'd be kind of nice cherry on top to go with the Super Bowl. I firmly agree with that. I am definitely picking the Broncos. Um, my mom was like, "Yeah, Broncos, forty three points, right?" For her pool, I was like, "No, mom, they're <laughs> playing the best defense in the world. They're gonna it's gonna be like twenty one to fourteen. But I do think the Broncos are gonna come out ahead, or at least I really hope they do. Uh, Sean. Who do you think uh, is gonna? We're getting an Eagles fan. Yeah. We're getting a Texas fan. I'm staying with the. I'm staying with the Broncos too. All right, nice. it's unanimous, guys. Nice. It's yeah, unanimous. Nice. Rena Marie, who do you think is gonna win? Yeah, Broncos. She said it. I made her say it. <laughs> um, this has been an episode devoid of sound effects, um, <laughs> of fart jokes. Um, we. This has been the most serious episode of the Full Count Podcast. <laughs> We should have just. We should just go back through and when Hoy was talking, just drop stuff in like, oh, <laughs> boots, <laughs> oh, crowds of blood, then fireworks when I escaped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Woo, he's out, everybody. And then I escaped and went to Fabio's house. Yeah. <laughs> and then dun dun dun. Um, all right, guys, that's uh, that's episode fifty-seven of the Full Count Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to our that's guest, Hoyt Richards, Sean. Uh, get back safe, buddy. I got your Christmas present finally came in the mail. Yeah. So uh, you, can, you can I know, I know. So you can have that when you get back. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I'll be back tomorrow. Oh, great. Um yeah. All right, guys, thanks a lot for listening. Enjoy your uh, Super Bowl parties. Yeah.